Hi guys, I am honored that you are joining me for yet another episode in this third season of the Simple Doesn't Mean Easy podcast. This is episode eight, and I'm going over the five reasons that I don't buy meat at the grocery store anymore. Let's do this. I'm Michelle Visser, author of Sweet Maple and creator of the blog and YouTube channel Solely Rested, because sometimes the only rest you can find is in your soul. Welcome back to the Simple Doesn't Mean Easy podcast, where we talk about how to simplify our lives in the midst of modern day life, one step at a time. Let's do this together. Okay, this entire season, I have been alluding to some different medical articles that inspired the thought process of how I organized this season. You guys had asked for it to be all about real food, but I wasn't really sure what I wanted that to look like until I found some of these medical journals and studies that I was looking at. In front of me, I have an article published May 22nd, 2019. I will link this in the show notes. It's from the Oxford Academy Cancer Spectrum. And the title in this medical journal is Preventable Cancer Burden Associated with Poor Diet in the United States. At the risk of being a little bland, because you know medical journals aren't really exciting reading, I'm just going to share some of this with you. It says that cancer is the second leading cause of death in the United States, accounting for one in four deaths. In 2018, an estimated 1.7 million Americans were newly diagnosed with cancer, and 0.6 million will die from cancer. The associated economic burden in the United States exceeds $80 billion annually for direct medical costs alone. With population aging, escalating healthcare costs, and increasing risks, I'm sorry, rates of risk factors such as obesity, the cancer burden is projected to continue to increase. Poor dietary habits have long been recognized to be associated with cancer risk. With the recent dietary data and cancer incidents in the United States and updated evidence on nutrition and cancer risk, the cancer burden associated with various dietary factors needs to be evaluated. Importantly, obesity has been recognized as an important risk factor for 13 specific cancers. In the abstract, it explains that diet is an important risk factor for cancer that is amenable to intervention. Estimating the cancer burden associated with a diet informs evidence-based priorities for nutrition policies to reduce cancer burden in the United States, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not sure exactly what they're hinting at there. I guess they're basically saying they want the government to be more um, proactive with government policies that will somehow reduce the cancer burden. It's not what it says. That's just, I'm reading between the lines. That's not what I want at all. My goal really with this season right now, what we're doing is just to become more educated and to help each other to understand better how our choices in our diet directly impact our health, directly impact the likelihood that we will or will not get cancer and what we can do to improve that. It's really not too hard. It really is rather simple when you just start looking at the details. 
So basically in their summary, these medical experts say, I quote, our findings underscore the opportunity to reduce cancer burden and disparities in the United States by improving food intake. It's really that simple, improving food intake. How do we do it? They go on to explain that 5.2% of the cancers in the year that they were analyzing among U.S. adults were diet-related. And then they break down even further, 4 to 6% of that of the deaths were alcohol-related, what was encouraging the cancer, what led to the cancer. Um, 7 to 8% was related to excessive body weight that led to the cancer that killed the patients. And 2 to 3% related to physical inactivity. Um, if you add up all those different things I just mentioned, it turns out to be 22%, almost a quarter of the cancer patients in this year. What was it, 2018, I think? Almost a quarter of the cancer patients who lost their life that year all come down to reasons related to what they were putting in their body or how they were using their body, whether they were physically active or inactive, which really those two things often go hand in hand, right? The healthier that you eat, typically the more active that you are. And of course, the more active that you are, the more that you long to eat healthy because you realize the two things go hand in hand. So all of that is stuff we can so directly impact in our day-to-day life. And it equaled a quarter of the deaths related to cancer in this year that they were studying, almost a quarter. It's, it's mind-boggling. It's, it's sad, the deaths that could have been avoided. So, okay, the report goes on to break down different diet-related factors that accounted, or they said may have accounted for the 80,110 deaths in that year that were related to cancer. And I'm just going to read to you this. Low grain, low whole grain intake was associated with the largest number and proportion of new cancer cases, followed by low dairy intake, high processed meat intake, low vegetable and fruit intake, and high intake of sugar-sweetened beverages. Again, I will leave this link in the show notes if you guys want to peruse this yourself. So right there is how I am organizing the rest of this season. We're going to talk about whole grains and how to get them in your diet better, more effectively. We're going to talk about dairy intake and how to improve it. We're going to talk about processed meat. That's what we're doing today and how to avoid processed meat or why to avoid processed meat. Um, We're going to talk about vegetables and fruit and how to get more of them in your diet in really simple ways. And we're going to talk about sugar-sweetened beverages and better alternative solutions. Okay, so for today, y'all know because you already saw the title of the episode, I'm going to give you the five reasons that I have chosen to not buy meat at the grocery store anymore. Now I will say before I go any further, I absolutely realize this is a kind of up-class problem. And I absolutely realize I am extremely blessed that I even have an option, that I even have another source to go get my meat 
I realize that if you're going to a butcher, like a, a local run butcher or a local farm, instead of the grocery store, we all know the cost is a whole lot more. And I very much want to be quick to say, I know it's not an option for everybody. I know that. But once we go through these five reasons, and once you really understand what you're getting, if you're buying your meat at the grocery store, maybe you can sit down and look at the budget and figure out some ways that you can cut something else that you realize, you know what, we don't absolutely need to do X, Y, or Z. And if I cut that from our family's activities or, you know, our family's gift giving procedures or our family's choice of vacation or whatever it is, if we can cut a little from that, we can get better meat and we can stop eating this stuff that I'm bringing home from the grocery store. I know, I know it's not a choice for everyone, but I do want to encourage you that it might be more possible than you think if this is something that, you know, seems impossible for you. Cause I certainly know, I absolutely know seven years ago, I never would have thought in a million years that I'd be raising my own meat. Like it, it wasn't even on my radar. So I do feel extremely blessed beyond what I can describe to you right now, that we are able to bring piglets on to our farm every spring and give them pasture to roam and get to know them and give them our table scraps and really thoroughly love their personalities and the joy they bring to our farm and really give them a good life. And then after all of that, as if all that blessing wasn't cool and enough, then those animals provide our family with a year plus worth of amazing meat that I know the source of, that I know everything that that animal ate, um, and that I know what kind of a life it lived. So very blessed. I, I, I can't say it enough how blessed I feel. Um, but trust me, if you start looking around, you very well, right where you are, right where you live, whatever state it is, whatever town or city it is, you probably have an option that you can find a butcher or a farmer, even if it requires an hour or two drive, and you can order ahead, you can plan out, you can order half of a cow or a whole pig or whatever it is, and you can work through the process. Believe me, it's a big learning process, I know, of figuring out a cut sheet and figuring out what to tell the butcher and how, how to provide you your meats and what cuts you want. It's a long learning curve, but it is so worth it. And if that's not an option, there are probably, I know there are, a lot of options of um, farms that you can find just by searching on Instagram. You can find amazing beef cattle um, ranches and farms, pig farms, where they are raised on pasture, the animals, and where the owners and the ranchers are very particular about how they process these animals, and they provide the best meat possible. And you can actually order it online. You can even go on Instagram to find your links, right? You can order it online and have it delivered in a box to your doorstep. So trust me, there are a lot of choices, but Let's get on and dive into the real meaty part of this episode. 
I just realized what I said. Um, I didn't mean to make that pun, but hey, let's roll with it. Let's get into the meat of this, guys. But I need to explain something that I had no idea of when we started raising pigs. I really thought, you know what? I'm not crazy about ham, but I'll do it for the bacon, you know? I mean, surely for the at least a year's worth of the effort, it'll be worth it for the bacon, right? Because I just, I didn't quite get why Bill was so set on this. I had no idea that pork is a very versatile meat, especially when it's fresh pasture raised pork. The taste difference is undescribable, how different it is from pork that you would buy in a store. But on top of that, it's so versatile. Once you learn a little bit about the cuts of the pig and your different options with preparing those cuts, by the way, I have written about those. I'm starting to put everything into the blog that I've learned over the years about pork, what cuts to choose and how to prepare it. Um, So I will leave a link in the show notes that will always be an evergreen, ever-changing link that is always going to go to all of my pork preparation slash recipes. As I add more, that link's going to pull them all up. So check out the show notes if you would like to know about that and the recipes. But it's a really versatile meat that really meets every interest of our family when it comes to the different meals I prepare and the different cuts you can get of pork and the different ways you can prepare these different pieces of pork meat. So that's something I had no idea, no idea. Like I didn't even know such a cut existed that's called pork steak. Apparently it is a cut you can buy in some grocery stores. I've never seen it, but, um, it's an amazing cut. And like I said, when it's pasture raised, it's a whole different level. So I don't know what it would taste like if you get it at the grocery store, but I can tell you the pork steak that we have raised and processed is my favorite cut of meat I have ever eaten, ever. And I definitely classify it as even tastier and better than sirloin. So there's so much there in a pig and there's so many options. So we, we do also raise meat birds once a year and process those. We will put them in our freezer whole in a big um, vacuum sealed bag for each chicken. So we do have chicken as well. And then we have all these different cuts of the pig and different ways we prepare it. That's our entire meat source. And we absolutely love it. Can't get enough of it. But okay, every week, you're not going to believe this. I actually did the research and I can tell you every week, more than 2 million pigs are slaughtered for American dinner tables. That's more than 104 million a year. Needless to say, to meet this insane demand, a very industrial system has evolved over the decades that is nothing like a genuinely good food system should be. Of course, plenty of other animals are being raised commercially for meat, but specifically it's pork that I'm going to be focusing on when I mention a very specific practice or a very specific meat. Um, Because otherwise, you know, this could just, the scope of this could be huge, but we're gonna stick with pork. Um, But when you have that high of a demand, 
you really have to become extremely industrial and streamlined with your process. The first big shocker when I really started looking at what is the commercial process for pork? The first big shocker for me was when I realized that conventionally raised meat can be labeled as a product of the USA, but be imported. I mean, it's crazy that the meat, most likely, when you pick up meat at your local grocery store in your small town, that meat most likely came here in a container ship filled with frozen carcasses that were killed on the other side of the planet, guys. But as long as it was somehow altered or sliced or separated or repackaged in some way in the United States, then it can be labeled, quote unquote, a product of the USA. Do you think they take advantage of that and work that for complete profit? Of course they do. And I find it totally insane how naive I am as a consumer that if I saw a sticker product of the USA on my meat, I would immediately picture a, a ranch out West and think, okay, this is somewhat kind of you know local meat. At least it was raised here in our country. Not the case. So that made me mad enough alone. But then when I started reading about the vicious downward spiral of events that have led to the current state of grocery store pork today. Ugh, I just got angrier and angrier, guys. Okay, before I even actually tell you my second reason in this list of five, I'm going to read to you a little bit from my book, Sweet Maple, because this it's a good segue into this. Back in 1988, when Oprah lost a ton of weight, she decided to make a memorable impression on her audience. She consequently changed our society's view of fat forever. As she pulled a red radio flyer wagon onto the stage filled with this nasty, greasy animal fat that represented how much weight she had lost. Seeing fat as the gross enemy in the 1980s and 1990s is, many experts believe, the root cause of America's obesity today. Then in 1992, the new food pyramid made the push for a low-fat diet totally official. It was obvious in the new pyramid that carbs were good and fat was bad. Indeed, that pyramid became the most widely adopted food guideline in the history of our nation. One survey reported that most Americans, more than 8 out of 10, believed the food pyramid was the basis of a perfect eating plan. The problem is... All of us who were the byproduct of that movement, myself included, wound up cutting out all fats, loving all carbs, and ironically, facing obesity. Because not all fats are equal, and some are even good. So that's from Sweet Maple, um, page 167 and 68. <clears throat> but whether we want to blame Oprah or not, it's a fact. Consumers demand lean meat today. We've had this obsession with seeing fat as the enemy since the 80s. And of course, meat farmers started breeding pigs for the leanest possible pork that they could provide. 
But guess what? Making the animals leaner and shaving the fat off the meat, guess what that did? Hmm, it reduced the flavor and it made it not so tender. Well, people didn't want flavorless, tough meat, so then they started complaining more, right? It's a vicious cycle, y'all. So guess what we started doing a few decades ago? We started enhancing the pork that suddenly wasn't so appealing to people because we were trying to appeal them to them with low-fat pork. <sighs> okay, well, when we enhance pork, it's also sometimes called seasoned. And of course, in my mind, that sounds even better, right? So maybe that's why they call it seasoned. It sounds better than enhanced. Enhanced has this slight um, overture to it that you think, hmm, not sure if that's good, right? Well, what does it mean? It means that they inject the muscle groups of the pig with water, salt, and sodium phosphate when they're being processed. Hey, bonus, it even increases the shelf life of the meat, she says sarcastically. <laughs> because of course, usually increased shelf life is never the nutritional option, right? That's never the best option when it comes to nutrition to have something that's going to sit on the shelf for months and it not be a problem. Um, so sodium phosphate is no exception. Sodium phosphate, I can't talk. Sodium phosphate can disrupt how your body absorbs things like iron, calcium, magnesium, really important stuff, guys. Eating too many nitrates has been linked to a variety of cancers, including um, colon cancer and stomach cancer. Sodium phosphate can also cause vascular damage. It can like stiffen up and narrow your arteries. So, okay, if this is a questionable thing, that if you eat a lot of it, it can be harmful to your health, surely they have to label the meat, right? And let us know if it's meat that they've enhanced. Sadly, no, it's not obvious. In fact, stores don't even have to mention the word sodium phosphate anywhere on their packaging. What they do have to do, they do have to do something, I should explain, but what they have to do is label it with one of two different phrases, water added or salt added. Hmm, neither of those sound too bad, do they? So of course, the regular consumer isn't at all alarmed or concerned to know that there's some water or some salt added to their meat. In fact, maybe it even sounds good. Oh, it's saltier, it's gonna be tastier. Crazy enough, not only are you most likely eating an unidentified sodium phosphate when you buy meat at the grocery store, but guess what guys? You get to pay more for the luxury, 10% more to be more specific. You see, the injection adds about 10% to the overall weight of your meat. And you don't have a choice really because it's pretty much impossible to find many grocery stores in the US, at least from what I'm told, I haven't done the research. If you guys know of some, please let me know. But it's close to impossible to find grocery stores in the US that sell pork that is not enhanced. According to the author of The Gourmet Butcher's Guide to Meat, which is a book I highly recommend, he says it is becoming quite difficult to find non-enhanced pork anywhere in the U.S. Before I go on to three more reasons that you really want to consider where you're getting your meat from, I want to pause for something really happy. 
Speaking of my book and Sweet Maple, when I did the research about maple syrup and how it's made, I learned a lot about polyphenols and they come from natural plant sources. If you can be sourcing your sugar, like maple syrup, or your food from actual plant sources, then you are having a diet that is really high in polyphenols. And believe it or not, drinking a cup of tea is providing polyphenols for you. In fact, tea is known to have true healing properties apart from the fact that it tastes so daggone good if you are a tea fanatic like me. Some teas are even known to like be detoxing. A lot of teas are known to relieve stress, which is so important to our health overall. Green tea is recommended to help you lose weight and to strengthen your immune system. So there's so many great teas and great reasons to drink tea. I highly recommend you check out my absolute favorite source for the best, most delicious, and best priced organic teas I have found anywhere. It's Positively Tea, and I have links to all my favorite flavors and my favorite options if you go to solelyrested.com slash teas, T-E-A-S. There, you will find a link directly to this company, and you'll find a coupon code, it's solely rested that will give you 10% off your first order. So don't hesitate, don't walk, run to this company, to these teas, and start enjoying the amazing deliciousness and the good health benefits that come with these organic teas. Again, that's solelyrested.com slash T-E-A-S, or if you want to check them out directly, it is Positively Tea. Their website is freshroastedcoffee.com. By the way, if coffee is your your jam, I can't talk, then you want to check them out for that too, because they have coffees that Bill loves over at freshroastedcoffee.com. Be sure to tell them I sent you with the coupon code solely, S-O-U-L-Y, rested. So if the facts that my meat may have been imported from overseas, even though it was labeled product of the US, and if the fact that my meat may have been injected with things that could cause, I don't know, heart failure and cancer, if those two things aren't enough, enter ractopamine, stage right. Okay, I'm trying to be lighthearted, but... (laughs) um, First of all, I want to make it clear, pigs are not fed or injected with hormones, but they are fed products in the last few weeks of their life that contain food additives. And one of those food additives is ractopamine. Ractopamine stimulates the muscle growth and it reduces the fat. Essentially, it encourages the animal to grow larger and leaner, very much like if a human was taking a steroid. Ractopamine is actually what's called a beta agonist, but I, to break it down in ways that we can all really easily understand it, it essentially performs like a steroid. It's increasing the metabolism of the animal in its last few weeks, and that allows the animal to convert food into muscle instead of fat. Okay, so it's, it's, it's creating an animal, animal that's bigger and has less fat. 
So it all comes back to Oprah, guys, and that little old red wagon of the hated fat, right? I mean, (laughs) it all comes back to the fact that we don't want fat in our diet. And ractopamine is a direct cause of that. Um, Anything that I have read about food or additives that mimic hormones, it's never been good, to say the least. But the USDA says that ractopamine is safe. The fact that ractopamine has been banned in more than 160 countries makes me wonder if I really want to blindly trust the USDA on this one. I mean, I'm not an expert, but there's definitely reason to hesitate. If you do some research on how ractopamine impacts people, it's really not a pretty picture. Ractopamine speeds up our heart rate and it leads to anxiety. Huh. That is just what folks need these days. Yes. After the last couple of years that we have been through, we don't need more anxiety. Um, and similar drugs to ractopamine have been directly linked to cardiovascular health concerns. Now I've read many folks argue that they're are no longer any traces of ractopamine in the meat by the time that we eat it. But Consumer Reports did an investigation, a thorough investigation of 240 pork products. And guess what? Consumer Reports found ractopamine residue in a very large portion of the meat that they investigated. I will leave a link to that study in the show notes as well. Crazy enough. Are you ready for this one? Ractopamine negatively affects the meat's taste. Um, guys, wasn't all this a vicious cycle on a quest to improve the meat and make it more of what the consumer wants, but yet it's decreasing the quality of the taste of the meat. Guys, I am so confused. My head It was spinning as I was trying to understand all of this. And in the end, I'll be honest with you, I don't understand it. (laughs) It makes no sense. Okay. The Gourmet Butcher's Guide to Meat. I mentioned that earlier. The author is Cole Ward, C-O-L-E Ward. It's a great book. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Um, it, It just gives you so much insight. For me, a lot of what I learned about what cuts of pork I wanted to have the butcher cut from our pigs and how I wanted to prepare it. A lot of it came from Cole's book. So it's a great source, but he gets into something else, which winds up being the fourth reason that I no longer buy my meat at the grocery store. Um, he gets into the way that the meat is actually raised. Now I am not an animal rights activist. I am very much a proponent of the animals are there. God gave us the animals to provide for us. We are supposed to um, have dominion over them. We are supposed to care for them and whenever possible, give them a good life. But in the end, they, they are provided for us for nutrition. And I'm very thankful for it. So I'm not a person who would ever put animal rights above people rights, or I would never advocate, um, the animals need to be treated better in a lot of situations that people kind of go crazy over. I'm like, you know what? That doesn't really concern me. Um, but so 
I'm sorry if that sounds harsh, but I'm just, I'm not like that kind of a person. But I was almost like crying when I read in Cole's book, the details, I'm going to share some of them with you. It's really sad the way that the pigs are raised in conventional pig farms. Um, I'm quoting from the book. Denise, how do I say that? Bellu, she's a research scientist at the Prairie Swine Center in Saskatoon, Canada. She described modern stall-based housing, which is the general commercial method of raising conventional pork. She describes sows are impregnated and placed in a gestational stall. Each is just big enough for the sow to stand up and lie down. They're about six and a half feet long and two feet wide. Floors are usually smooth concrete and they have narrow slots to allow waste to drop through. Sows are placed into the stalls when they're bred. And since the average gestation time is 114 days and sows are pregnant most of their lives, well, you get the picture. It's really sad. And they go on to explain what the farrowing stall is like once she has the piglets and the whole thing. It's just a horrible life. I can't imagine. I really can't. Being confined to an area that you can't turn around. You can't, the only movement you can do is to stand or lay your entire life. I mean, on one hand, I know it's an animal, but on the other hand, there just isn't a need to give an animal such a ferocious, ferocious, there, I just made up a word, (laughs) a horrendous life. Studies have actually shown that just the last few hours of a pig's life impacts the taste of the meat. So even if you're not concerned about the pigs and the life that they live, it actually negatively impacts the meat that we're putting these pigs in such a stressful, horrible daily situation for their lives. Um, Surely, you know, a whole life of stress and confinement cannot possibly produce meat that is of any high quality. And then on top of that, I mean, it's, it's just not right. Animals deserve our care and our respect if we want to enjoy them and their meat to its best potential. So as I said before, I'm very thankful that our family has the privilege that we can give a good life to a new batch of pigs every spring and summer. We can offer them a quick, stressless, humane death. I've written about the steps and the process of how a traveling butcher comes to our farm and processes the pigs. I'll leave a link to that in the show notes as well. Boy, the the show notes are loaded with links this time. Um, Anyway. Okay. So that's the four reasons so far. The last one is actually a very simple one. Local pasture-raised meat, I've already told you this, is delicious. It is a taste that cannot be matched by conventional industrial meat raising. It just can't. There's a great little book called The Complete Book of Butchering, Smoking, Curing, and Sausage Making. And the author is a professional butcher, and he explains how the animal's stress level at the time of death, in addition to its temperature and if if it's overall healthy or not, how that can have a huge impact on the meat on its texture, on the pH level, on the moisture, even on the color of the meat 
the stress that the animal has in those last moments. So it's true. All of the commercialization of meat has led to bad ideas that are a vicious cycle that try to improve the overall quality of the meat when in the end, the best meat is going to be found in the pure, simple art of the old days of bringing some piglets into pasture and giving them a good life and offering them a humane and simple death. So if you're able to find a pig farmer and you are able to source your meat directly from the source, there's nothing better. I guarantee you the meat is the most nutritional meat you will find. There are no additives. And on top of that, this last reason, guys, it is delicious. So the whole moral is you give the animal a good life and that animal is going to provide your family with truly the most delicious meat you could have. It's simple. We have just made it complicated. I am very glad to say that after two years now of raising pigs and selling um, a whole pig or half a pig to local friends or local people who follow me on Instagram, I'm really excited to say that we are expanding a lot next year. The more that I've learned about meat and the poor quality, the more that I have longed to help as many families as we can stock their freezers with this amazing, amazing meat that we raise here on our farm. So if you are listening to this as someone who lives locally to me, I'm in central New Hampshire. I do not, we have no intention of ever shipping meat. That's just a way too complicated process for us. Like I said, there are lots of ranches and farmers out there that are doing it do some research and I'm positive you can find great sources. But um, I, I just thought I would tell you now that we're to the end of all this talk, that if you are local to central New Hampshire, please reach out to me. I'm already, I have a spreadsheet and I'm already taking deposits for next year so that we have a solid idea of how many pigs we're going to be bringing into our pastures. We actually have a lot of wooded area that I'm really excited to say we are preparing for pasture for the pigs. They love having free range of the woods because then they have nuts and all kinds of um, barks and trees and shrubs and grasses and lots of things they love to eat that give them enrichment to their days and that improve the quality of the meat in the end. So if that's something you're interested in, want to know more about, please reach out to me either on Instagram, solely rested, solely dot rested, or um, you can email me solely rested at outlook.com, or you can even, heck, you can even leave a review over on iTunes and let me know you want me to reach out to you. <laughs> um, anyway, I hope that this has been somewhat eye-opening for you, like I have had my eyes opened so much over the recent years. And I hope that I've given you some inspiration and some ideas of maybe where you can sort some meat that will be the most nutritious option for your family. Please join me for the next episode on this whole season, all about real food and inspiring you to add some more of it to your family's diet than you might currently be doing. 
And please check out solelyrested.com slash coupons. There are always specials there that I want to share with you. And don't hesitate to check out solelyrested.com slash teas, T-E-A-S. Look into those amazing polyphenols, delicious, delicious teas, all organic, and use code SOLELYRESTED for 10% off your first order. Finally, if you are enjoying this season, I would, well, you would make my day if you take a second to go over to iTunes and leave a quick little review to help drive the analytics to let different podcast players know this little podcast is worth telling others about. The more positive reviews there, the more likely the word will get out and hopefully other people will discover this podcast. In fact, speaking of that, let me take a second to pull it up. I want to give a shout out to today's listener. It is Sunny B 50 Sunny left this review. I love, love Michelle's idea of life and how she lives it. Hey, I'll admit it. I want to be her. Well, not really, but I do admire all that she's doing. <laughs> Thanks, Sunny. Um, it's always great to hear from you guys. And that's it for today. If for any reason you have trouble finding the show notes, I know I've referenced them a lot this episode, you can always go to solelyrested.com slash podcast for links to all of that. So remember guys, it's easy to forget how blessed we are to live this life. So enjoy the simple everyday efforts. It's not easy, but it is definitely a good life.